Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 34. Shout out to all the homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about the upcoming and first pay-per-view of the year, UFC 283, taking place in Brazil. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Imovov. Quick special shout out here for Keith Olson of the Olson Martial Arts in Johnson City, Tennessee. He's my jiu-jitsu instructor. He made his return to pro MMA after taking some time off during COVID. He won via first round rear naked choke submission in Showcase MMA this past Saturday. Congrats. Great fight, Keith. Let's shift gears back to the UFC from this past Saturday. Let's go. So we started off, it was some pretty impressive finishes in this fight night to start our year. Some surprise underdogs getting their hands raised and an impressive win in our main event. To dive into it, we start with Charles Johnson versus Jimmy Flick. We knew that Jimmy Flick wanted this fight on the ground, and even though his initial first round takedown was reversed, you had a feeling that he was fine with having his back to the mat. Charles Johnson showed... Excellent wrestling defense, and his striking was sharp right away in this fight with nice boxing combinations and kicks. Charles Johnson, he really did a great job working the body, which then started to open up the head shots as Jimmy Flick would drop his hands to kind of protect him blocked against the body shots a little bit more as this fight went on. Surprisingly, it was the wrestling of Johnson that won him this fight. Charles Johnson reversed position on the ground to get to the top position, and he finished this fight by first round TKO via ground and pound. Dan Argetta versus Nick Aguirre. This was a fairly one-sided fight. Dan Argetta really had control of this fight with over 10 minutes of control time, four of six takedowns, and two submission attempts. He made sure to use ground and pound striking, as well as staying active enough on the ground. Pretty clear 30-27 decision win for Dan Argetta in a very grappling-heavy fight. Nick Aguirre did battle hard on the ground, but he was really just a step behind Dan Argetta for the majority of this fight. Alan Nascimento versus Carlos Hernandez. I know their measurements pre-fight were fairly similar, but really Nascimento looked like the bigger fighter in the cage on fight night. Great finishing sequence here for Alan Nascimento. He landed a front kick to the chin that rattled Hernandez and shot in for the clinch, took the back on the feet. Nascimento kept working in the clinch along the cage, and then he got the fight to the ground where he did have the back of Hernandez. Alan Nascimento was in complete control on the ground. They're hand fighting for about a minute when Carlos Hernandez went belly down and stood up on his feet. Alan Nascimento got the rear naked choke locked in on the feet and was on Hernandez like a backpack. First round standing rear naked choke win for Alan Nascimento. Mateus Rebecki versus Nick Fiore. Mateus really dominated this fight. Over doubled the strikes landed of his opponent over 8 minutes of control time, and 3 for 4 takedowns. This was the second wrestling discrepancy fight that we saw tonight. And as we know, a strong wrestler will be a tough fight in the octagon. To make matters more difficult, Mateus Rebecki was constantly pressing forward, and that is exactly what a wrestler wants, because it is much easier to go for takedowns when you're going forward than when you're backing up. The striking of Rebecca was also very strong. Unique angle strikes, many unique combinations. Fiore did find some success on the feet, but ultimately he was just overwhelmed by the pressure of Rebecca. Mateus Rebecca won by a fairly easy unanimous decision. Claudio Ribeiro versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Claudio was throwing some brutally hard low leg kicks to start this fight. 
Alhassan went for a few clinch takedowns against the cage to try to wear on Claudio. Neither fighter threw long combos or high volume in round one. They were both searching for the one big strike to try and finish this fight. Only power shots from these fighters, and that is all that mattered when we entered round two. Abdul Razak Alhassan landed a powerful one-two combo. Stumbled Claudio Ribeiro early in round two, and he followed that up with multiple strong overhand rights and hooks as Claudio crumpled to the ground for the knockout. Javed Basharat versus Mateus Mendonca. Mendonca brought the forward pressure aggressively to start this fight. The biggest issue that Mendonca ran into in this fight, to me, is that he would miss a lot of attacks. Whether that be shooting for a takedown from too far away without setting it up or throwing a kick that hit nothing but air. He had fairly high activity and volume, but his accuracy was extremely low. Javed Basharat had excellent movement. He made sure to stay one step ahead in the grappling exchanges and striking exchanges. Javed Basharat is a very efficient fighter. He landed 73% of his significant strike attempts and landed 3 for 5 takedowns for over 5 minutes of control time. Javed Basharat doesn't do anything without purpose, and that is why he remained undefeated after this fight with a unanimous decision win. This was a fun fight, and I think Mendonca will be able to bounce back from this loss. He just needs a little more efficiency and a little more technicality with his setups. That takes us to our main card, starting with Umar Nurmagomedov versus Ryuni Barcelos. I am man enough to admit when I was wrong. I told you last week that I thought Umar would win, but that Raoni had some nice value due to the wide odds if he wanted to take the gamble. I thought that because I thought Raoni would be able to strike well, possibly better than Umar on the feet, and stop at least a few takedowns. No takedowns needed for Umar Nurmagomedov. This was an extremely impressive win. Umar has really sneaky and fast leg kicks he could throw it high low the initiation of the strike would look similar either way making it very tough to defend the knockout strike for Nurmagomedov didn't have a ton of power behind it compared to some of his other strikes but it was perfectly placed to get the first round knockout win Umar landed a body kick followed through with a short left hook that was perfectly placed right on the chin excellent knockout for Umar Kylan Vieira versus Raquel Pennington this was a really interesting fight. Split decision. Ketlin landed more total strikes. Pennington landed more significant strikes. Ketlin seems to be in these really close fights a lot these days. I think she needs to elevate her game just a tiny bit more if she wants to get that title shot to really leave no doubt. This fight was a setback for her, though, because Pennington got the nod from the judges. This fight was extremely close, so I couldn't call it a robbery. When a fight is as close as this one. I'm not sure that you can be upset with the judges. On my scorecard, I gave round one to Vieira, two to Pennington, and three to Vieira, and what was a super close round, especially that third one, for the decision win. So I did disagree with the judges, but I am fine with their decision. Very close fight. Punahele Soriano versus Roman Kopilov. Kopilov moved well in this fight to make Punahele Soriano swing and miss fairly frequently. Excellent footwork. He more than doubled his opponent and landed significant strikes, and they were fairly close in their total attempts. Soriano threw a lot of one or two strike combos, while Kopilov was using more stabbing jabs uh, and then longer striking combos. So just a little bit more output. Soriano's strikes were longer and loopier, while Kopilov threw straight shots, would move make it very hard for him to get hit. It was really excellent movement for his defense. Kopilov landed an incredibly powerful spinning back kick to the body of Soriano, and Kopilov clearly looked like the fresher fighter in round two. 
Roman Kopilov landed some powerful body shots, and it was beginning to look like the end for Soriano. Roman Kopilov landed another heavy leg kick body shot midway through round two. Soriano covered up, and Kopilov got the TKO victory after unloading some strikes to get the ref to jump in while Soriano was just done. Uh, Really impressive, kind of a body strike TKO win, if you will. Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson. As I mentioned last week, Ige is the better striker, and I thought that Jackson had to control distance and strike from range and then get the fight to the ground once Dan Ige got into Ige striking range. I was a little worried about the power that Dan Ige possessed at this weight class. Dan Ige had excellent striking defense. Damon Jackson mostly threw strikes to the head of Dan Ige, and Ige had a tight high guard to block most of those strikes. Damon Jackson just looked a bit off balance on the feet. He'd stumble to the mat from time to time, whether by being hit off balance or simply throwing a strike, being off balance, and falling over more or less. Damon Jackson's incredible on the ground, but he showed that he will struggle if he can't get the fight there. Dan Ige is an excellent striker. He made sure to take advantage of the stand-up fight time. Damon Jackson took multiple punches to the eye in round one that got it bleeding pretty good. That actually paused the action due to eye poke, but it wasn't necessarily an eye poke, more of an accumulation of damage, followed by the glove maybe swiping across the eye just a little bit. Damon Jackson was in trouble. He was getting beat up. I thought Jackson needed to shoot for more takedowns, and Dan Ige just made sure to get it done in round two. Dan Ige won by second round knockout with a vicious short check left hook that knocked out Damon Jackson, and he walked it off for the win. That took us to our main event, Sean Strickland versus Nasruddin Imavov. It was just a classic Strickland fight. We won't take too long on this one because it was just all Sean Strickland and his game plan. In traditional Strickland fashion, he moved forward, he punched his opponent in the face, High volume striking. He threw over 400 punches and landed almost 200 in this five round fight. He was always just one step ahead of Imavov, one strike ahead of Imavov. He made sure to do just a little bit more than Imavov throughout this fight. I think Nasruddin Imavov fumbled this one away a little bit as well, though. He fought right into the game plan of Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland wants to stand in the middle of the octagon and strike and beat you with his volume. Imovov tried to do the same thing and failed. He only went for one takedown in the five rounds, and he didn't complete it. You have to mix wrestling and striking against Strickland to slow down his pace at a minimum. If you don't, you cannot keep up with his high-volume striking and cardio. I really thought Imovov's wrestling would make a difference in this fight, but he just didn't use that tool in his bag. Great win for Sean Strickland taking this fight on short notice, and putting on a striking cardio clinic to get back in the win column. That wraps up our rapid recap. Let's take a look at our bets. All right, so taking a look at our first bets of the year, we had Priscilla Cachoeira versus Sajara Eubanks. We had Priscilla Cachoeira, but that fight was canceled by Sajara Eubanks' corner during the weight cut. Charles Johnson versus Jimmy Flick. Jimmy Flick Moneyline plus 295 was a loss. Dan Argetta versus Nick Aguirre was a no bet for the podcast, but we were leaning Nick Aguirre, so that would have been a loss. Glad we laid off that one. Alan Nascimento versus Carlos Hernandez. We had Alan Nascimento by finish for plus 175 win. 
Mateus Rebecki versus Nick Fiore. This was a no bet for us. I thought the fight would not go the distance. The odds were a little bit too wide, so we left it alone. That was a loss if we had done that, so I'm glad that we left it alone. Made some good decisions early here on, on maybe leaving some bets that we weren't super confident in off the table. Claudio Ribeiro versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan was another no bet for the pod. Fight to end by knockout. The odds were really, really wide. That was a win. Just not worth the risk, so I'm okay with letting that one go by. And Javid Basharat versus Mateus Mendonca was another no bet, leaning over one and a half rounds. Another odds, just really, really wide. Had to bet a lot to win a little. That would have won, but again, sometimes you got to look at the value of the bet and decide to leave it alone. With our main card, we had Umar Nurmagomedov versus Ryan Barcelos. Umar Nurmagomedov, by decision, was minus 177. That was a loss because he got the win by finish. Catlin Vieira versus Raquel Pennington. We had Raquel Pennington, Moneyline, plus 102 as an underdog win. Then we struggled to end the night. Punaheli Soriano versus Roman Kopilov. We had Punaheli Soriano, Moneyline, minus 160 for the loss. Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson, plus 102 Moneyline for the loss. And Sean Strickland versus Nasruddin Imavov. Imavov, why did you not wrestle? I do not know. But that was a minus 110 on Nasruddin Imavov. Money line loss. So the UFC down 2.23 units. We went 2-5. and five. Really tough way to start our 2023. Our going back for more two-unit bets went 0-0. Zero for zero. We didn't place any on Saturday. It wasn't really matchups that I felt really strong about in this past Saturday. But I do have some that I really like for this upcoming pay-per-view. For the Homestall Perfect Plate Parlay, we had Alan Nascimento Moneyline, Mateus Rebecki Moneyline, and Damon Jackson Moneyline for plus 188. That was a loss due to the Damon Jackson knockout loss. That wraps up our bets. Let's take a look at Verdict and give out some Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards. No medals to start our 2023 year in verdict as we struggled in the final three fights of the night. We'll look to bounce back next weekend with the pay-per-view. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, we have the Mac and Cheese UFC prelims performance of the night. That is going to Alan Nascimento for his dominance and control for the standing backpack-style rear naked choke win. And our Chicken and Dumplings UFC main card performance of the night has to go to 50K Dan Ige. He had great control and domination in this fight, took his time, and got the knockout win to put him back on track. That wraps up everything that we need to discuss for this past Saturday. It's time to now look ahead to the first UFC pay-per-view of the year coming up this Saturday. Let's go. We have some great pay-per-views already lined up for this year. We're talking about UFC 283 for this Saturday. The early prelims are going to start at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with Samen Oliveira versus Daniel Marcos. 13-0 Daniel Marcos is making his UFC debut off of a Dana White's Contender Series decision win. He's three inches taller, but Oliveira has the three-inch reach advantage. Oliveira won a split decision on Dana White's Contender Series and followed that up with a decision loss in his UFC debut. He's 11-0 by sub and 5-0 by knockout, while Daniel Marcos is 7-0 by knockout with no subs. Marcos scored a knockdown on Dana White's Contender Series and kept his opponent to 2-13 for 13 on his takedown attempts. 
that is where Oliveira could dominate this fight. So keeping the fight standing would be to the advantage of Marcos. Oliveira was also aggressively wrestled in his UFC debut decision loss. This fight is one that I would stay away from, from a betting perspective, but Daniel Marcos coming in as an underdog seems like a pretty nice value play since he did show takedown stopping capabilities. Next up is Josiane Nunez versus Zara Fairn. Fairn's six inches taller and five inches longer in reach. Seems like it's a pretty large advantages, but she's struggled in the UFC so far with two losses. She's only fought twice since the end of 2017 as well. Each of her two losses have been by finish. Nunez has seven knockouts and her nine pro wins. She is opposite Farron here with two wins and her two UFC fights. Her last fight went to a decision, but she did have two knockdowns in that fight. Josiane Nunez has some serious striking power. And she will have to overcome the large size differences in this fight. But she can knock out Zara Fan if she can work her way in. Her last opponent was 5 inches taller as well. So she is used to fighting some taller, larger fighters. Look for Josiane Nunez to get it done with her striking in this one. Next up is Warley Alves versus Nicholas Dalby. The last 6 fights for Alves have ended by finish. And he's 3-3 three and three in those fights. Both fighters will fight on the feet or on the ground. Dalby won his last fight, and he is 3-1-1 in his last five UFC fights in this current stint. I'm staying away from this one, too. Odds are very close. I think that it's appropriately so. Neither guy has one particular skill, so this fight could come down to one mistake. I'm leaning Nicholas Dalby because he has had more general success lately, but this fight is a true coin flip. Ishmael Bonfim versus Terrence McKinney. Another fascinating matchup because of a highly anticipated UFC debut for Ishmael Bonfim. I do think he is talented. I just don't think it's enough to overtake Terrence McKinney when your weakness is jiu-jitsu. McKinney won his last fight by submission. He's won three of his four in the UFC. Every single one of McKinney's pro fights have ended by finish. That will be the only hope for Ishmael, who does have eight knockouts to his record. He won a decision on Dana White's Contender Series to earn this UFC debut, but he did have a knockdown in that fight, so he almost got the knockout. The problem that is just glaring in this fight is that Ishmael's 4-3 by submission. The game plans in this fight will be obvious. Ishmael Bonfim will want to stand and strike, while McKinney will want to use his jiu-jitsu to try to get a submission win. I've seen enough of Terrence McKinney to know that he is a true UFC talent, and he will, be, he will be moving up the ranks in 2023, so we will not doubt him here. Next fight on the early prelims is Luan Lacerda versus Cody Stamen. Lacerda is bringing in his 10-fight win streak to this UFC debut, and even more impressively, he has 9 submissions in that stretch. That will be the key to this fight. It is no secret that Luan Lacerda wants to fight on the ground when you look at his record and his 0-0 knockout record. And Cody Stamen uses a ton of wrestling in his game. So Stamen, he won his last fight by knockout. That ended a three-fight losing skid for him. He's struggled against strong ground game opponents in the past. And I think he unfortunately goes back to the loss column in this fight. Cody is 2-2 two two by submission, and I just think this fight will end up on the ground within probably two minutes of the starting bell. 
Luan Lacerda is an underdog heading into this one, but I love him as a live dog with nice value. Our last early prelim fight finds Shamil Abdurakhimov versus the sky's the limit for this guy, Jailton Almeida. One of the hottest fighters in the UFC is back again. And as I've told you before, we will not pick against Jailton Almeida to win by finish until I see him win by a decision or lose. This guy's been incredible lately with a 12-fight win streak all by finish, three of those in the UFC, not including his Dana White's Contender Series submission win. Almeida can beat anyone so many different ways. He's an extremely skilled striker and absolutely lethal on the ground. He's finished all 17 of his pro wins, 11 by submission and 6 by knockout. His three UFC wins have all ended in the very first round. Abdurakhimov is being fed to the wolves here. Kind of crazy to me that the UFC put him in this position. He's on a three-fight knockout losing streak with only two fights since 2019, and they're going to put him in here against red-hot Jailton Almeida. He's spent a lot of time away from the octagon, and he's been struggling when he gets in there. He has five knockout losses in total and one loss by submission. I just don't see a world where Jelton Almeida doesn't win this fight by finish. He can get the knockout or submission in this fight. This is a brutal matchup for Shamil Abdurakhimov and likely his last fight in the UFC because if he loses this one, that makes it four in a row with all four of those potentially by finish. Crazy matchmaking here really just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But anyways, that wraps up our UFC 283 early prelims. Let's take a look at those prelim matchups. The UFC 283 prelims are going to start at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time with Gabriel Bonfim versus Monir Lazez. Lazez has a 4-inch reach advantage heading into this fight. This looks to be a very interesting fight. Gabriel Bonfim is making his UFC debut after getting a first-round submission on Dana White's Contender Series. He's 13-0, 3 knockouts, 10 submissions, so it appears that his ground game is very strong. Every single fight he has won by finish. On the other side of the octagon, Monir Lazez is a very high-volume striker. He won his last fight and is now 2-1 in the UFC. He has 8 knockout wins in his 11 pro fights. And this is another fight that I think just ends early. I think that both fighters have the ability to end the fight on the feet, and it looks like Gabriel Bonfim will also have the ability to finish this fight on the ground as well. I like Gabriel Bonfim to win his UFC, de- UFC debut, likely by finish here. Next is Thiago Moises versus Melchizel Costa. No idea if I said that first name right, so we're just going to go with Costa. He's making, Costa is making his UFC debut. He comes into this one with a 2.5-inch reach advantage, and he won each of his last two fights by knockout. He's got a pretty good mix of knockout and submission wins. Thiago Moises got back in the win column in his last fight to end his two-fight skid. Moises is a strong jiu-jitsu fighter, but he doesn't go for takedowns very often. I'll probably stay away from this fight betting because we don't know too much about Melchizel Costa since this is his UFC debut. But I also have questions about the skills of Thiago Moises as well and how far it can take him in the UFC. I'd really like to see him wrestle more so that he can engage on the ground. I actually think that this... Melchizel Costa kid could get a shocking win in his UFC debut here since he does have a lot of pro fights for someone making his UFC debut. I think 
with some of that experience, he has seven knockouts and six submissions, demonstrating a pretty well-rounded game. Look for maybe Costa to get the win in his UFC debut. The next fight I'm really looking forward to just because I love one of these fighters, Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Ferreira. Gregory Robocop Rodriguez is thrilling every time he steps into the octagon. He's only in amazing fights. Win or lose, he puts on a show for the fans, and because of that, I'm a big fan myself. He goes into this one with a 5-inch height advantage and 3 inches in reach. Bruno Ferreira has finished all 9 of his perfect 9-0 pro record wins including a first-round knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series in his last fight. This fight is going to be an absolute slugfest. No need for the judges in this one. They can go use the bathroom, take a break. Rodriguez is on a two-fight knockout win streak, and he is 4-1 since joining the UFC, with that only loss being a close split decision. This is just a very tough UFC debut for Bruno Ferreira. I respect taking this fight on short notice and trying to get going in the UFC, but Gregory Rodriguez is going to win this fight. There'll be a lot of power in the octagon for this fight, so don't blink. Make sure to tune in to what will likely be one of the best fights not on the pay-per-view lineup. Our final prelim fight finds MMA UFC legend, been around for quite some time, Mauricio Rua versus Ihor Potiera. This is the retirement fight of the 41-year-old former UFC light heavyweight champion Mauricio Shogun Rua. Shogun Rua has 21 knockout wins out of his 27 pro wins, a veteran of the UFC. He has 41 pro MMA fights, and he faces Ihor Potieria, who's looking to rebound from his recent UFC debut loss. He had a knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series and then followed that up with the knockout loss in his UFC debut his last time out. Ihor Potieria is a very well-balanced MMA fighter, with nine knockouts and six submission wins out of his 19 pro wins. This fight just definitely doesn't go the distance. At 26 years old, Ihor is a staggering 15 years younger than Shogun Rua. Shogun's on a two-fight losing streak. Mauricio Rua is a legend, but I think his time has come and gone as far as fighting these young and hungry fighters goes. I just think the sport has kind of passed him. Unfortunately, it's always sad to see I think this fight likely ends by finish, and I think that Ihor Potieria can get it done on the feet or on the ground. All due respect to the legend, Mauricio Shogun Rua. That wraps up our UFC 283 prelims. Let's take a look at the main card. Pay-per-view time, folks. Pay-per-view time. They're going to be a little bit more expensive this year, but I will say this is a pretty sweet lineup to start us off for the 2023 year. The UFC 283 pay-per-view main card starts at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time with Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. Craig comes in as the number nine ranked light heavyweight and Walker at number 12. Interesting stylistic matchup with the jiu-jitsu fighting. Paul Craig against the striking heavy Johnny Walker. Walker's three inches taller and six inches longer in reach, which is going to help him as the striking dominant fighter. But Walker is still a decent jiu-jitsu and grappling guy as well. And Craig is decent with his striking too. He's improved in that over the years. This is such a tough fight because both fighters have been finished multiple times. I think the best bet is for this fight to not go the distance. In that case... I would probably just straight up go Johnny Walker by knockout or Paul Craig by submission. 
depending on who you're a fan of, just to get some better odds, they combined for 39 of their 48 fights ending by finish. Craig was on a four-fight win streak before losing his last fight, and Walker won his last fight to end his two-fight losing skid. Walker has only won two fights in his last six. Paul Craig knocked out Jamal Hill, who was fighting for the belt later in the night, so I'm leaning Paul Craig, and I think he can get it done on the ground against Johnny Walker. Next up is Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade. Number four ranked Lauren Murphy against number six ranked women's flyweight Jessica Andrade. One of my favorite female fighters is back. Jessica Andrade will win this fight. She's a smaller fighter like she always is, giving up four inches of height and five inches of reach. I know those are large numbers, but she's always smaller. She has so many ways to win a fight, whether with her knockout power or on the ground. She's coming off of a submission win and a knockout win before that. Lauren Murphy's performed well lately with a win in her last fight and six of her last seven. Both women last lost to the champ, Valentina Shevchenko. When Lauren Murphy loses, it's typically against the division's elite. That is Jessica Andrade. Andrade does a great job using striking combos to cover distance, work her way inside to her punching range, take the fight to the ground. She is so incredibly skilled. I just like Jessica Andrade in this fight. Murphy's also eight years older than Andrade at this point, and I think Andrade makes a statement finish here to make her case for a rematch with the current champ down the road. Now, I know Valentina Shevchenko, and I believe it's Alexa Grasso, Alexa Grasso are lining up a fight right now for a later pay-per-view in the year. So whoever wins that fight, I'll say. <laughs> whoever the current champ is at that time, I think Andrade makes the case to fight her next. The next fight, really exciting, is Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Number 5 ranked welterweight Burns and number 12 ranked Magny. This is actually a really close fight to me compared to the odds. Now don't get me wrong, I love Gilbert Burns like everyone else. But a lot of what he does well, Magny also does well. Maybe not as good everything, but Magny also does well. Magny has a big size advantage. He's five inches taller and has nine inches in reach advantage. The biggest issue I see in this fight is that Magny likes to go for takedowns. And this is where the biggest discrepancy is. His submission record is bad. It's four and five in MMA. Magny likes to do takedowns to ground and pound. Meanwhile, Burns is an internationally recognized jiu-jitsu fighter with eight submissions in the octagon. Magny will need to be super careful if he goes to the ground with Gilbert Burns. I think if Burns gets on top on the ground, he can finish this fight. The length discrepancy is massive, and Magny needs to use movement and long-range striking on the feet if he wants to win this fight. Any takedown attempts need to occur late in rounds to prevent time for Burns to get a submission, work for a submission. Neil Magny has won three of his last four fights. Gilbert Burns lost in the championship fight with Usman, rebounded with the win, then lost a close fight his last time out. This fight makes me nervous for picking a winner. I think Gilbert Burns should win. Burns has a ton of power in his striking as well. He just has to cover this length disadvantage. But if he gets in tight, don't mistake Gilbert Burns' hands. He has power as well. So... This is a really kind of a value type thing that makes me nervous. I think Gilbert Burns should win, but I think he will face much more adversity than the odds suggest. Magny's not 
a dumb guy. He fights really intelligently. He will have the right game plan to potentially win this fight. It's going to be if Gilbert Burns is that much better to wreck the game plan, be a game wrecker, and get this win, which he definitely could. This is going to be a great fight. It's going to be close. So because of that, I would love to see 15 minutes. So we're going to go with fight to go the distance. I'm hoping to see an excellent 15 minutes of fighting between two really elite MMA fighters of this division. Let's go ahead and dive into the co-main and main events next in a separate segment. I wanted to put the co-main and main events in a category of their own because we got belts on the line, folks. We start off with Divison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. This is the flyweight elite of this weight class because they're meeting for the fourth time to try to settle this division. These fighters are just a tier above the competition. Divas and Figueredo is the current champion, but Brandon Moreno is the interim champion. Their three matchups have gone as follows. Draw, Moreno submission, and Figueredo by decision. So they're 1-1-1 one, one, and one after three, which is honestly amazing because they're that much better than everybody else, but they're also so even at the very top. Figgy has a ton of power with his striking. And frankly, the fact that Moreno has not been knocked out in their previous three fights speaks to the skill of Moreno on his feet. Now, Moreno was knocked down three times in the last fight between these two fighters, but he is coming for blood after getting a third-round knockout win over Kaikar France for the interim belt. That was an extremely close fight until Moreno took the judges out of the equation with the finish. This is truly a coin flip fight. I know that's probably the most obvious thing I could say on a podcast. They're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. But these guys are really just that good and that even. In their 52 combined pro fights, the only time one of them has been finished was in the second matchup between these two fighters. Over three and a half rounds is a lock to me. I think Moreno gets the win here, possibly by submission again late in this fight. I think for the division, it would also be good for Figgy after this fight to move up a weight class and clear space for other competitors since I think he is pretty large for flyweight. The weight cut is pretty tough on him. And I think he could have some success at bantamweight. So after this fight, I think it's probably time for Divas and Figueredo to move up a weight class. <clears throat> In our main event, we have another belt on the line, the light heavyweight championship. Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is a second try at crowning a light heavyweight champion after we had the Blakovich versus Ankalaev draw in the final pay-per-view of 2022. So we run back the title fight with two new challengers with number two ranked Teixeira versus number seven ranked Hill. This is a pretty fascinating matchup. Hill's two inches taller, three inches longer in reach. He won his last three fights each by knockout. Hill has the power in this fight. Teixeira has the grappling game and experience. Let's not diminish the wrestling capabilities of Hill, who I think will do a pretty good job at keeping this fight standing, but I think Glover Teixeira is one of the best ground fighters in the light heavyweight division right now, and I think that he will maybe get a few takedowns, a few shots at some submissions here. Glover lost the championship belt in his last fight, which ended a six-fight win streak. 
Glover can get it done all kinds of different ways. He has knockouts and submissions to his name. He was probably 30 seconds away from retaining his championship belt in his last fight when he tapped out in the fifth round. Teixeira gassed out in that fight, and he will need to manage his cardio a little bit better against Hill, who I think will have the energy in this fight to go a full five rounds without slowing down much. I really like Jamal Hill. As a fighter, as a person, he's entertaining, he's funny, he's a fun guy on social media. But I want Glover to retire on top. In an ideal world, I think Teixeira gets a submission win in this fight to win the light heavyweight title. And then he retires and walks off into the sunset. I know that creates the belt back on the line again for this division, but that just seems to be the case since John Jones gave this belt back. I think we can then set up a fun light heavyweight tournament in a few months. Assuming that Alexander Rakic will be able to return from his knee injury in around May at the earliest, which will be about the one-year mark from his injury, and Jerry Petrowska returning in April, which will be the six-month mark from his injury, you could set up another pay-per-view in April-ish with Jerry Petrowska versus Magomed Ankalaev for the vacant light heavyweight title. And on the undercard, I would go Jan Belkovich versus Anthony Smith for next in line for the challenge. Once May slash June have come around, you set up Alexander Rakic versus the highest ranked guy besides those previously mentioned to try to put him back on track with that winner. Maybe next in line after that. Then you could look to line up the loser of Jiri and Ankalaev and the loser of Blakovich versus Smith or Rakic versus other later in the year. There you go, UFC. Did your job for you. There's a lot of fights to be made. The problem is the belt just keeps moving around. All this to say, a lot of matchups to come in what has been a slow, light heavyweight division at the top. Glover, you're an MMA legend. Win back your belt and retire as a champion. That is a great ending to your career. Third round submission is what I'm going with. But that wraps up our predictions. Let's take a look at our bets. Most of our bets are already locked in, which is great, but there are a few that you're going to need to check out by going to the podcast social media pages that I will mention to you at the end. Uh, also, keep in mind, we will be doing our homestyle, going back for more two-unit bets. Listen for those, and with our first pay-per-view fight of 2023, something a little different later on for the homestyle perfect plate parlay. So make sure you listen closely here. Let's start off with the UFC early prelims. Simon Oliveira versus Damon Marcos. This is a podcast no bet, leaning Daniel Marcos money line. Josiane Nunez versus Zara Farn. Josiane Nunez money line is gonna she's gonna win, uh, but it's too large, not enough value, not worth the gamble. So I need to see some alternate lines that are not yet available. Might take her to win by knockout if I can find maybe plus money for that. Otherwise, I might just leave it alone. Again, when you're betting, you need to keep in mind value as well. Don't assume unnecessary risk just to win a few dollars. Worley Alves versus Nicholas Dalby. This is a podcast no bet, leaning Nicholas Dalby money line. Ishmael Bonfim versus Terrence McKinney. We went Terrence McKinney money line minus 132. That's a pretty nice number. Super tempted to make that a two-unit bet, but we're not at this point. Luan Lacerda versus Cody Stamen. We went with Luan Lacerda money line plus 280. So really big underdog there. Would love to hit that one. Shamil Abdurakhimov versus Jelton Almeida. Jelton Almeida by finish. 
going back for more two-unit bet. It's minus 500 because the guy is an absolute beast in the octagon. Shamil's on a three-fight losing streak, getting fed to the Wolves. I'm making this a going back for more two-unit bet. Heck, I'll consider doing even more than two units. I don't see how Jilton Almeida doesn't win that fight by finish. For the UFC prelims, Gabriel Bonfin versus Monir Lazez. Fight to not go the distance, minus 200. Thiago Moises versus Melkazel Costa. This was a podcast no bet, leaning Melkazel Costa to win in that UFC debut. Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Ferreira. I liked Gregory Rodriguez by finish, minus 165. Mauricio Rura versus Ihor Potieria. With Ihor Potieria, yeah, Moneyline minus 225. Honestly, though, based on what I was telling you guys earlier, I would consider just going Ihor Potieria by finish. You probably get a decent number on that. So if you are feeling a little bit more risky, that's probably not a bad bet. For the pay-per-view, UFC main card 283, Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. Paul Craig Moneyline plus 155 as the underdog. I'm hoping and praying this fight gets to the ground. Otherwise, we could be in trouble. Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade. Y'all heard me say it earlier. Jessica Andrade, she's my girl. Moneyline going back for more. Minus 500. Hit it heavy, two units. Like I said with this one too. Or said earlier, I should say, with the Jilton Almeida. I would sprinkle even more if I could. I mean, Jessica Andrade is a beast. She will be a champion soon. Two unit bet here. Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Fight to go the distance is plus 100. I just think that would be fun. Uh, I had a really hard time picking a bet for this fight. I always bet all main card fights, so I had to think of something. I think it would be fun to see 15 minutes of this fight. So everyone fight to go the distance is plus money. That will be fun to cheer for. Our co-main event, Divison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. Over two, excuse me, over three and a half rounds. At minus 205 is a going back for more two-unit bet. These guys go long in their fights. I like over three and a half rounds. Let's end this with another instant classic. It would be cool if we got five rounds of all action to kind of wrap up this chapter of the flyweight division. And then in our main event for the light heavyweight title, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Glover, take this fight to the ground, please. Right away into the sunset on top. You have had a great long career. You've nothing left to prove. Glover to share a money line plus 115 to win back his belt, and I hope retire as a champion. That wraps up our bets. Let's take a look at some parlays. The Homestall Perfect Plate Parlays. I hope you caught that before the break. We have two. First pay-per-view of the year. I'm excited. There's a lot of things I like. And uh, so we created two. So our first Homestall Perfect Plate Parlay is going to be Terrence McKinney Moneyline. Jilton Almeida Moneyline, which I know is a huge number. It's like minus 1,000 or, or wider. And Rodriguez versus Ferreira to not go the distance, plus 124. Now for the Homestall Perfect Plate Parlay 2... We have Ihor Potieria money line, Jessica Andrade money line, and Figueredo versus Moreno over two and a half rounds for plus 131. I think they both hit. You guys can pick one of them. You can mix and match them yourselves if you'd like. But those are the two home style perfect plate parlays that we're going with on the podcast. I'm excited. First pay-per-view of the year. 
grab some wings, grab some beers, grab some friends, enjoy these fights. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast. Please go check those out and go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out www.thehomestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast and other locations you could take a listen. We're growing on social media. Feel free to get involved, comment, anything, whether you agree, disagree. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we will do a rapid recap from this card, UFC 283 and preview our next UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivak, which was actually scheduled towards the end of 2022. So this is a rebooking of a previous fight, and I must say Derek Lewis looks like he has really gotten shape for this fight, so it should be very interesting. Anyways, everybody, till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.